Welcome back to another week of the JRM Sydney podcast. We hope as you listen into the word today that you will be inspired and empowered and that your eyes will be open to something new. God bless always. All right. Good morning, church. Morning. Good morning. Galaw galaw, bama stroke. <laughs> All right. Um Can you ask the person next to you, or oh, maybe you already know, but can you ask the person next to you, uh, what did you eat for breakfast today? <laughs> okay, so the person who, who have been asked, uh, who asked the question, can you say to the person next to you, obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, good morning as we are concluding with our two-month series today. We have been talking about the epistles. Uh, you remember what epistles mean? They are letters, right? Uh, it's been a two-month series. Uh, we've covered about eight uh, of the letters of the New Testament. And I've said before that, you know, uh, the letters or the epistles are uh, basically covering majority of our New Testament. And there are 21 letters in the New Testament. We've only covered eight. <laughs> uh, who here has enjoyed and have learned a lot, have really had some insights in the past two months? Amen? Can you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you have some, <laughs> even some. And um, the heart behind it for me is... Uh, especially when we, when we were doing Kings and Prophets and then now the Epistles, the heart behind it is for me to really uh, lead us as a congregation towards biblical literacy. Can you say to the person next to you, biblical literacy? And what that means is that this church will not be ignorant of what the Word of God says. Pag sinabi natin illiterate, it means you're ignorant, you don't know what it is, you know. What God wants us to do, uh, what God wants us to experience is to have knowledge and understanding so that in receiving knowledge and understanding, we can apply these things unto wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Amen? Wisdom is knowledge applied. So when a person walks the talk, he is wise. Amen? You look wise. You look at the person next to you, mukha bang wise yan. <laughs> wisdom is God's desire for each and every one of us because in wisdom, we, you know, we experience fruitfulness in our lives. You know, as ate, I was really blessed by that, ate girly. Uh, can you, re, you know, give a hand to ate girly? Uh, by the way, church, for those of you who do not know, Ate Gurley and Kira Reggie and their family have been longtime friends uh, with myself and especially with pa- uh, our head minister, senior pastors, Pastor Vincent and Pastor Aligaya Javier, their family. Actually, their dad is the ninong of our Bishop Vincent Javier, uh, wedding ninong, all right? So they've been leaders in the church for a long time. So, And we are just so excited that you have joined us in uh, serving here in the ministry. Would you give a hand to the Laguatan family? We appreciate you guys and thank you for embracing the vision and the mission of this church as your own. Amen. All right, so open your Bibles in the book of James, a letter to of, of James to the churches. Amen. Are you ready for this? Can we bow down our heads, close our eyes for a bit? 
Hallelujah. I'll ask you to pray for your heart, for your mind, for your ears to be undivided and to receive from the Lord. Come on, talk to God right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, talk to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts. And I'll ask you to also pray for me that I would be able to preach the word faithfully and with effectivity. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, we commit this time to you, and uh, we know that even as I speak, Lord God, I'm just your mouthpiece. I pray that your spirit, Lord God, will speak through me, and Lord God, beyond my words, whatever we hear with our ears, let our spiritual ears hear you and discern, Lord God, what is true, Lord God, and what is from you. Father God, we thank you so much that today... Once again, we are here to be refreshed, renewed, restored, replenished, Father God, by your Spirit. And we want to receive the best that you have prepared today. Oh God, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Every time I think about church, I think about, you know, whenever you, you bring your car to maintenance, you know, uh, you, you have to maintain your car every now and then, right? Because if you don't, you don't really know that there are already problems inside the engine, the wheels, and all that. And you bring it to the mechanic so that they can now, uh, you know, realignment of the wheels or things like that. Um, uh, Romel is here. They do a lot of work with cars. <laughs> so, I mean, um, we do that because the car needs to work efficiently. And therefore, it will not give any problems to you and uh, therefore, it will prevent you from having any accident in the future. Amen? So, also, I think somehow uh, of the church, for example, when we, whenever we go to the dentist, for example, why do you go to the dentist? For cleaning, for maintaining and like deep cleaning of your mouth, your teeth, right? And the reason is because there are things there <laughs> that are detrimental or problematic that is a danger to destroying basically your teeth or your mouth. You know, you don't want to lose all your teeth uh, and you don't want to experience all this toothache and all that stuff, right? Amen? So, I think in terms of our spiritual life, for me, uh, whenever, since I was a young person, I had that thought in my mind, you know, whenever I go to the church or whenever I go to God, basically my personal devotion and all that, that's what I do. God is ha performing a deep cleaning of my soul. <laughs> and uh, he just wants to basically uh, continue to work inside of me so that my life would work efficiently. Amen? Amen. So, uh, every Sunday, I know uh, for some of us, it can have the tendency of routine and religion. But every Sunday, always have that mindset that, God, there is something new that you want to do in me today. Amen? Can you close your eyes and uh, say to yourself, there is something new that God wants to do in me today. Amen. Let's dive in to the letter of James. I've entitled this message, Faith That Works. Everyone say, Faith That Works. Amen. So, James is said to be the Proverbs of the New Testament. If you look at the Old Testament, Proverbs is talking a lot about many of the practical outworking 
of faith, you know, of our relationship with God. There are so many things that the Bible talks about that are really, really practical. It's not pragmatic. It's not just theoretical. When you actually read the, uh, the Proverbs, you know, there are so many wisdom there that applies to our lives. And it doesn't matter if it has been written uh, thousands of years ago, even if you read it today, it, it will still be very relevant to you. Amen? Now, James is coined to be the Proverbs of the New Testament simply because when you read James, I'm closing this series with James. Uh, we're done with the letters of Paul. We've talked a lot about the letters of Paul. This is now the letter of James. James doesn't talk much about doctrine or theology but the letter of James, among all the letters in the New Testament, talks about practical living of the Christian faith that we profess. Now, if we say that we believe this, then this should be the fruit of our lips. Amen? So when you read James, uh, this week, I am not just asking you as a pastor, I'm begging you <laughs> to read James. Ganun ako ka-desperate for you to dig in the book of James. You know why? If you understand the letter of James, you will save yourself a lot of heartache. Not just yourself, your family, and the people around you. You will do yourself a favor. Can you tap your shoulder? Come on. And then encourage yourself. Say your name. Say your name. Come on, out loud. Say your name. And then say, read James. Read James. Okay, Jeff? Read James. All right, again, this is just an overview or like a helicopter ride to what James is all about. I will be reading some parts that I think the Lord wants me to emphasize today. But just to give us an overall idea what this is, I'll just run you through. Uh, James 1.1 introduces the author, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the letter was written to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Now, he's talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. Scattered, you will find the Greek word diaspora, and diaspora just means basically scattered. Because at this time, the Israelites or the Jews have been scattered all over the world because of persecution. Remember, they are being killed. At this time, it was King Herod Agrippa I that is basically killing the church members everywhere in all of Israel. So they had to flee. They have gone to many different places. Now, who is James? In the Bible, there are four Jameses, right? So there are two disciples among the 12 disciples whose names are James, James, son of Zebedee, and the other James. Uh, they call it James the Big and James the Little. <laughs> um, and then the James, the father of Judas, not Judas Iscariot, which is also mentioned in Acts. But many um, evidences in Bible scholars are persuaded, and also because this is related to the gospel, uh, to the to the story in Acts as well, that this letter is this James is the brother of Jesus. This is the half brother of Jesus. Jesus actually has now Mary and Joseph after giving. Mary, after giving birth to Jesus, had many other sons and daughters with Joseph. So he's no longer a virgin, right? So obviously they had uh, a relationship just like any married people. And they had children. James is one of them. There's another letter in your New Testament Bible, Jude. That's also Jesus' half-brother. There's also a brother of Jesus named Judas. Judas is a very 
famous name during that time. And there is another brother of Jesus, which I forgot his name. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you later on. But this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, which, for your information, if you read in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, was not a believer of Jesus at all. When Jesus was around proclaiming that he is the Messiah, performing miracles, doing the ministry, James and his brothers despised him, did not believe in him. Imagine growing up with Jesus, right? You, he is your brother, and you're playing with him, you're you know, maybe Jesus is not getting into fights when he was a young boy because he was perfect. But you know, imagine having a brother that's perfect. You know, your mom says, who broke this chair? And then James says, obviously it's not Jesus because he's perfect, right? So it's me. <laughs> imagine that. Uh, Jesus, when he was doing the ministry, performing all these miracles, J James and his brothers did not believe him. The Bible tells us that James and the other brothers only believed Jesus upon the evidence of resurrection. When they saw Jesus die on the cross, buried on the tomb, and after three days saw him again alive and kicking, they have no other choice but to believe that what Jesus is talking about is true. <laughs> And many years after that, James becomes the leader or the pastor in the church in Jerusalem. So you see, uh, we've talked about Timothy being the pastor in Ephesus and uh, Titus being the uh, pastor in Crete and all that stuff. James is the pastor of the Israelite or Jewish church in Jerusalem. He is the head of the Jewish council. If you will remember, Paul went back to Jerusalem and asked uh, what they will do with the Gentile Christians, it was James who made the decision about uh, not doing the Mosaic law anymore and imposing it to the Gentile Christians. So, what happened to Peter? Where is Peter? Why is James the leader of the church? Where is Peter? Uh, Peter was imprisoned by uh, King uh, uh, Herod of Agrippa. And he had the miracle, a miraculous escape, if you will read Acts chapter 12. And because he was being uh, hunted to be killed and murdered, he basically flee away from we don't know where. To, to, where, to where, we don't, where we don't know. <laughs> uh, definitely, the leadership in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem needed, you know, it's a vacant space. And at that time, James became the pastor of that church. Amen. Now, he writes to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. This is a general, the, the letter of James is called a general epistle. So, we, we've talked about the prison epistles. We've talked about the pastoral epistles. Now, this one is a general epistle, which means that the letter was written not necessarily to a specific congregation, but to the entire Christianhood during that time. That's why all the 12 tribes scattered all over the world. <laughs> the, some of the other examples of general epistles is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st and 2nd Peter, Jude, as I've mentioned earlier. These are letters generally written for the general consumption, the church as a whole. And as is, not just in the first century, this is applicable to you and to me the church of the present 
generation. Alright? So, that's just what I said. The purpose of the letter, if you're gonna sum it up as a whole, is a call to spiritual maturity. Now, you will see again here, if you read it this week, that there's a lot, there's a lot of practical uh, implications or uh, applications that James is talking about with regards to our faith. Now, real life and real faith, okay? Not just abstract, you know, oh, I have faith, I believe in God, you know, and then it's not substantial, it's not tangible. It has, what, the, what James was trying to say, that faith has to be tangible in your life. Yeah? Okay, are you following? Before I proceed, I just want to frame this message with this thought. And this is basically the idea of sanctification. If you've never heard of that word before, sanctification is the process by which after salvation, who here is saved? Saved. You are born again Christian, you're saved, you're going to heaven when you die. Amen? Raise your hands. I, I hope that you know that you're, you're saved <laughs> because God wants you to know that you are saved. If you're not sure that you are saved today, talk to Ate Hazel later, okay? <laughs> but, you know, after salvation, there is a process called sanctification. Sanctification is just the process wherein God continues to transform us, yeah? The renewing of the mind that leads to transformation. It means that Jesus or God wants you to become like Him. The thing is, when you got saved, you don't automatically become like Him. You just receive the Holy Spirit to help you understand Him and live in Him. But in the process of your Christian life, as long as you're alive here on earth, you are in a process called sanctification. God is working in you to transform you. And that takes cooperation. Amen? Can you say to the person next to you, cooperate. <laughs> cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit wants to tweak and to change and to cut and to shape and to mold and to, you know, continue to change, transform us. And He will be doing that if we will continue to submit to His process. Amen? Alright, so look at this. It took one day for God to bring the Israelites out of Egypt but took 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. What does that mean? <laughs> God has already set you free. You're free. You're saved. You're forgiven. You know, you're not condemned anymore. To those who are in Christ Jesus, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are alive in the Spirit. Amen? You are God's child. You are a child of God. There is no contribution on your part to be a child of God, just faith. It's by grace we have been saved through faith, not by works, right? Amen? But look at this. Uh, it took one day for God to bring the Israelites out of Egypt to set them free, but it took 40 years to take Egypt out of the Israelites. What does that mean? Because they have been so immersed in the culture, in the lifestyle, in the mindset of the Egyptian uh, world, you know, for hundreds of years, that lifestyle, that mindset, that, those habits, you know, God had to take that out of them before He brings them to the promised land. You know what I mean? 
And similarly, it's the same thing with us. We grew up with many mindsets, many habits, many lifestyle, many things that are not necessarily right in our world, you know. And not biblical as well, not aligned to the, uh, to the character and the nature of God and Jesus Christ. And once you get saved, you get to know Jesus Christ more. And then you understand, okay, these are wrong. This is not, you know, this is not congruent to the Lord. So God wants me to change that. God wants me to change this. God wants me to, you know, uh, re remove that in my life. Things like that. Things like that. The job of the church is not just, you know, get salvation one after another. You know, people converting to Christianity and receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. The job of the church is also discipleship. And discipleship means that we are being called to maturity. Amen? Amen. Are you following? Are you following? So inside each and every one of us, there is still a sort of Egypt. Did you get that? Inside each and every one of us, there is still a sort of Egypt that God needs to remove. Not one of us is spared from that. Amen? Who here is already perfect? None. Walang makakapagtaas ng kamay, including myself. Right? In fact, many of the things that we are preaching on and talking about in the letters in the past few weeks, you know, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm also preaching to me. <laughs> I'm not spared from that. But again, it's, you know, it's your cooperation. It's your cooperation with God, with the Holy Spirit that makes it work. Amen? All right. So, there is an Egypt inside of us that God needs to... Yeah. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's, uh, oh, Lord, wagyan, don't touch that. That's mine. But God says, no, Nak, when you said yes to me, all of you is mine. You cannot give your life to God and not give all of you to God. That's the reality. Amen? Amen? Who wants to give their lives to God? <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> Amen. All right. So the theme verse of James is this. James 1 verses 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what? It says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Have you experienced that? You look in the mirror and then you find like there's a dirt in your cheek. Yeah? The purpose of you looking in the mirror is so that ka, yung, you fix yourself. If your hair is messy, if your face is dirty and all that, I mean, <laughs> you have to remove that. The reason why you have the mirror is so that you can reflect how am I looking like. Amen? And the Word of God is many times over uh, suggested or illustrated to be like a mirror. I don't know with you, but every time I read the Bible, especially now, this uh, James, uh, this, this week, I, I ask you, manalamin po tayo. Amen? 
Let's mirror ourselves. The James is like a mirror to me. And the entire Bible is like a mirror to me. And whenever I look at that, I don't know with you, but this is how I, every now and then, you know, God gently, gently and lovingly speaks to me. But then every now and then I look at the Bible, the mirror, I find that some parts of my life are incongruent to it. And God says, you should remove that speck in your eye or that, you know. And, you know, and he will help us do that. Amen? So, look at this. It's like, you know, anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says, he says that it's like you looking at the mirror, you know, nakita kang muta sa mata mo, hindi mo tinanggal. And people will see that. Is, is it just very uh, straightforward and uh, obvious? And then verse 25, it says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The problem of the 21st century church is that we have so many preachers, so many teachers. Ah, panoorin mo na lahat sa YouTube, sa podcast. Oh, lahat available. So many preachers and so many teachers, but very few doers. Let us not be merely listeners only, but doers of the word. This is the challenge of James. You know what? I was imagining this. I was kind of, kind of uh, stereotyping what kind of pastor is James, what kind of pastor is Paul, what kind of pastor is Peter, and all these pastors in the Old Testament and in the first century church. I feel like as I study James, he's the type of pastor that, you know, in your face, direct to the point, prank and honest, rebuke you, receive this, this is the word of God, take it or leave it. No excuses. And I'm like, oh, that would be a very difficult pastor. <laughs> uh, that's scary. <laughs> As I was reading this and I was like, I am not that kind of pastor, Lord. Should I be like that some other time? <laughs> Do you want me to be like that? <laughs> anyway, you reflect on these leaders in the church in the first century and somehow their personality comes out. And this is the kind of pastor that James is. He is... This is the word of God. I respect his word. And there is no justification for not obeying him. Something like that. That's who he is. Amen? All right. Let's go. Look at this. Some people are saying that James and Paul are contradicting. Especially when you read Romans. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the near future, we're going to go uh, Corinthian correspondence and Roman correspondence because they are two big letters in the Bible that we want to understand. But some people are saying that James and Paul is contradictory in terms of the Bible because Paul is all about grace, grace, grace. And James is about works, works, works. So what is it really? Is it grace or works? And I guess the misinterpretation or the misconception is this. Salvation is not by works. Amen? It is by grace. We have been saved, not by works. But if you read Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, this is the famous verse, right? It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. Now, we cannot please God to salvation. God wants to save us, and you don't have to please Him 
for Him to decide to save you. No. You are saved by the pure loving kindness, goodness, mercy, and grace of God. Are you following? And that's good news. Amen? Because it means you don't have to beat yourself up before God accepts you to be His child. Amen? Our contribution to that is only belief. But we love this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We always leave out verse 10. Ephesians 2, 10 says, But for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So isn't that confusing? <laughs> in the previous verse, it says, not by works, so that no man can boast. And then in verse 10, it says, we were created to do good works. All right. So, do you see the logic of Paul here? You are not saved by good works. It is purely the grace of God. God loves you. You know, He loves you. Now imagine, but after He has saved you, he wants to restore you to the original plan and design for your life. What? To do good works. So your good works will not save you, but once you are saved, God expects us to do good works as a response to our salvation. Did you, did, is that clear? You know, a baby that's born, oh, cute, cute, no. Ang cute-cute niya. <laughs> si Liv, right? Si Liv is so cute, so adorable, so pretty. And then if, if Liv becomes one year old, you know, begins to say, Dada. Dada. And then she's like, Oh, that's amazing. My child is now talking, Dada, Dada, right? Pero kapag five years old na siya, tapos Dada pa din yung alam niya, Hindi ka na, oh, ang cute! Ang cute naman, Dada! You, growth is expected. Growth is expected. The reason why he would talk Dada when he is five years old is merong, merong deficiency, merong something's wrong. If a plant is not growing, it's not bearing fruit, there is something wrong. There is something wrong. And as a, 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 a planter, <laughs> a farmer, you have to find out, nasaan ang mali? Bakit ganun? And they have to treat it, right? You have to treat that deficiency and all that so that it will be encouraged to grow healthy. All right? The whole concept of James is that growth is expected. You know, uh, the sad thing with the present 21st century church is that there are many people Christians in the pews, in the, in the chairs of the church that has been Christians for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but still talks dada. What's wrong there? What happened there? Exactly this. Became listeners, but did not practice it. That's why they remained spiritual infants. All right, we've talked about this way back in Ephesians. No root, no fruit. James is basically talking about the fruit proves. Sorry, po. Sorry, po. Mike Enriquez. 
the fruit. <laughs> James is talking about this. The fruit proves the root. Or in other words, you know, the fruit, the fruit shows us that the roots are healthy. Amen? I have many many plants at home. <laughs> plants na naman. Galit na yung girlfriend ko, kaka-fruit, kaka-plants ko. <laughs> Anyways, the, fru- the plants, the plants at home, I have many plants na namatay. <laughs> Hindi naman marami. A few plants have died. And you know why they died? They, the condition is called root rot. Yung root, hindi healthy. So if the roots are not healthy, you can't expect health above the ground. Did you hear that? If what's below the ground is unhealthy, that which is not seen, private, your personal life, your inner world, your mind, your spirit, your soul, If that is not healthy, you cannot expect health above the ground. What's visible? Are you following? The word of God is that he de- it deals with our inner world. With whatever termites or whatever ites there is that's trying to destroy it. Amen. So let's move on. A helicopter view once again of this whole book. Just five short chapters, and I'm, run gonna, I'm just going to run over some of the stuff emphasized here. Chapter one, as I've said, this is about the marks of a mature Christian. So, what does a Christian who is spiritually mature look like? All right, the chapter one talks about mature Christians are robust. These are characteristics, uh, qualities of a mature Christian. Yeah, so a child, like for example, uh, uh, now uh, a bit more mature, sila Skylar and Ben and Kendrick, you know, they're now a bit more mature because they're now five years old, sila Eli, right? Um, but when they were two years old and you know, three years old, you know, nag-agawan ng laruan, tapos inagawan ng laruan, anong gagawin ng bata? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> o kaya naman, kung hindi iiyak, magpupukpukan na lang sila. <laughs> diba? <laughs> Immature. <laughs> Then we teach them, oh, sharing, sharing. Of course, you expect na. <laughs> And that's the sign of maturity, right? When they begin to share. Amen? Now, in the Christian sense, minsan, you know, parang may... I remember when I was pastoring the youth ministry in JRM Manila, you know, some young people, uh, this is just an exaggeration, pero some young people, yung parang, alam mo yun, parang lapit sila sa iba, Pastor Jeff, ako na, hindi na akong papatuloy, hindi na akong church, ganyan, ganyan, etc., etc. Bakit ano bang problema? Kasi po may tigyawat po ako. <laughs> oh my gosh, tigyawat lang. <laughs> Bakit ganun? Hindi na agad mag-church. <laughs> Exaggeration yun. Pero some, some of the problems that we have, tigyawat lang. Hindi na agad mag-church. Ano ba naman yan? <laughs> Naintindihan niyo ba ako? I mean, I'm just trying to run through it with, with humor ba? But that's the reality. That's the reality. There will be baby Christians. Just like kids, right? You just have to deal with it. They're kids. What do you expect? <laughs> Pero ka 
kapag five years ka ng Christian, <laughs> ten years ka ng Christian, kapatid, huwag ka nang umiyak sa tigyawa. Huwag <laughs> na. <laughs> Dapat tumutulong ka na dun sa mga ngumangawa dahil sa tigyawat. <laughs> are you following me? I'm sorry for people who are English spoken in dollar in the online congregation. <laughs> I just love preaching this. <laughs> Now, okay, let's go. Mature Christians are robust. Paul was talking, uh, James was talking about, look at this, verse 2, the mindset of a mature Christian. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Look at that. Isn't it antithetical, contradictory? Why would I consider it pure joy if I have trials of many kinds? For a Christian who's not mature, that's... No. <laughs> but for a mature Christian, you see beyond the trial. You see what God is trying to accomplish through that trial. You know what I mean? Consider, the word consider, uh, I forgot the Greek word of that, but anyways, the, the meaning of that word consider is to look beyond. So whatever trials, problems, hardships you are facing right now, consider it pure joy. Who here has trials? Amen? The more the trials, the more the joy. Amen? Amen? <laughs> <laughs> but the the emotion, look at this, the emotion, the soul level, it will try to pull you down into sadness, depression, and anger, and all these negative emotions. But the spirit knows how to rejoice. If the spirit is operational in your life, you can do this. If you let the Holy Spirit lead you instead of you, if instead of your heart, look at this. The Bible even says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And then the world says, follow your heart. Follow your heart. No. <laughs> the Bible says, your heart is deceitful above all things. And then you will follow your heart. No. Follow the Spirit. Follow the truth, not your heart. Your emotion will always deceive you. Amen? Amen! 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 <laughs> James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test. Amen? Uh, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. May crown thou. Once you overcome... May crown ka, kapatid. You have a crown. The more the trials, the more the crown, the more the joy, ano yun? Yung the more chances of winning or something like that. And, uh, this is the mindset of James. If you're a mature Christian, you will not cry over spilled milk or something like that. You know, man up. Grow up. You know, say to the person next to you, grow up. 
Now, uh, in here, I just want to emphasize, sabi niya sa verse 13 to 15, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. There is a distinction between trial and temptation. Uh, trials are external, right? They are things that are, you know, uncontrollable. Pandemic, no one has ever seen it coming. It's external. It's just all around us. This is a trial for all the world. How are you going to endure it? How are you going to face it? How are you going to look at it? How are you going to react about it? Trials are everywhere. It happens to us. Nawalan ka ng trabaho. Nagkaroon ng sakit yung mahal mo sa buhay. Things like that, they are trials, uncontrollable, right? External. Temptations comes from within, from your own evil desires. Both, now, sabi dyan, temptations does not come from God. Obviously, it's the devil who tempts you because the enemy knows your weakness. Both of that, in some form or another, thank God by, in His yun nga, uh, prevenient grace and sovereignty, He allows. He allows. Both trials and temptations. And in Him allowing that to happen in your life, He is actually producing inside of you something that cannot be produced if those are not existing. I mean, the gold ore never complained, why am I in the fire? It was only through the fire that the gold, the pure gold, can come out. It is only in the crushing that the essence of coffee can come out. It is only in the crushing that fragrance from flowers can come out. Otherwise, you won't have perfumes to use. It is only with the crushing that oil from olives can come out. And things like that. God is purifying. God is, you know, really removing the unnecessary parts and He wants to purify us. That's the process of sanctification. Amen? Amen? Are you following? Are you enjoying? You don't look enjoying, but I'm enjoying. <laughs> chapter 2. Alright, so number, chapter 1 basically talks about that, that mature Christians are robust. Ibn ang sabihin ng robust, matibay. Yung hindi konting trial lang, give up ka na agad, tumba ka na, ayaw mo na, hindi ka nasusunod sa Lord or something like that. Are you following me? Robust. Matibay ako, Lord, dahil sa'yo. <laughs> hindi sa, sa, amen? So mature Christians are righteous. And in here, I'm not talking about you know, self-righteous or parang feeling mo perfect ka. Obviously, the righteousness that we have is not attained or achieved by us, but given to us by the Lord. It is the righteousness of Christ that is accounted to us, right? Whenever God sees us, He sees the righteousness of God um, towards us. But the righteousness that is being pertained here is uh, practical righteousness. And uh, the verses basically supports that. It says in James 2, Chapter 2, verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Look at this. Um, it's a, 
I love the way that James, oh, by the way, I kind of forgot about that. I love that James is so humble about this because if you can remember, he is the half-brother of Jesus, right? Half-brother of Jesus. If you know or if you're related to a person who is very, very prominent and very, very successful, wouldn't you say when you introduce yourself, Mabawa, Mabawa, kapatid mo si, ano, si, sinabang sikat? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, for example, your cousin is Joe, uh, Robert Morrison, right? Uh, oh, bro, uh, uh, brother-in-law. Brother-in-law ko si Robert, uh, Morrison. Prime Minister, right? Scott Morrison. <laughs> What's happening? Anyways, kapag introduce mo yung sarili mo, naba? Alright, uh, my name is Jeff. Brother-in-law ko nga pala si Scott Morrison. You know what I mean? But James, in his introduction, says, James, the bond servant of Christ. He didn't even say, I am the brother of Christ. You know, he considered himself, I am a servant of Christ. And that frames this entire letter. If you don't see it within that perspective, you will, you will see the entire letter as just legalistic, right? But the mindset of James is this, I am the servant of Christ. What he says, I will follow. What he says, I will follow. In this verse, I love that he uses the word royal law. Bakit royal law? Yung love one another as I have loved you. Yung, bakit siya royal law? Kasi God is, Jesus is king. In a kingdom, what the king commands goes. If Jesus is your king, what he commands goes no matter how hard it is. Are you following me? It's a royal decree to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, if you can remember while Jesus is preaching on the mount, he does not just say love your neighbor as yourself. He even says love your enemies. How can you do that? Love your enemies. Why would he say that? He did that. He died for his enemies. And if we follow Jesus as our Lord, that's a very difficult thing to do. I led into prayer of salvation and, you know, surrender to Jesus Christ. The mistress of my dad... You know how hard that was? <laughs> but that's a supernatural thing. Again, I say this all the time. Love in that level is supernatural. It is only the Holy Spirit who can do that in us if Jesus is really our Lord. Amen? James 2, 14 to 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? We say we believe in Jesus and not really follow him. What is that? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's just an abstract thought. But the 
discipleship that Jesus calls us into is a discipleship that is practical in our day-to-day life. Are you following? Are you following? It's hard, but it is the right way. It's hard, but it is worth it. Because it is what will change the world. Ang tahimik nyo. <laughs> Alright, let's move on. I'm gonna go fast track on this. It also says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Is it enough to believe in God? Even the demons believe in God and shudder. Yung shudder, ibig sabihin po ng shudder, shudder, nanginginig sa takot. That demons are afraid of God. Buti pa demons, takot sa Diyos eh. Not many human beings are. Amen. Belief in God is really not it. Because faith really in its nature is accompanied by lifestyle, action, what you practice. Hebrews 11, look at this. By faith, you remember this? The hall of faith? By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Moses. By faith, this, this, and that. Look at that. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering. Enoch walked with God. Noah built the ark. Abraham obeyed, left, offered uh, something to the Lord. Jacob blessed uh, his children. Moses left Egypt, led God's people, passed through the Red Sea. Rahab hid the spies, etc., etc. And all those words are action words. Action words. What will your faith make you to do? What will your faith make you to do that when you say, I believe in Jesus, therefore, I will. Therefore, I will forgive my husband. Therefore, I will forgive my wife. Therefore, I will give to the poor. Therefore, I will be patient to my children. Therefore, I will, uh, you know, read my Bible or pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Uh, therefore, I will volunteer in the church. I, I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I will, I will, I will. J.R.M. Sydney is not a shallow church. J.R.M. Sydney are doers of the word and not listeners only. Ang ganda ng palakpak nyo, buhay na buhay. Palakpak nga ulit kayo, yung parang talagang persuaded na persuaded kayo. Chapter 3, mature Christians are restrained. So all of these are R, right? The first one, chapter 1, robust. Number 2 is righteous. Mature Christians are restrained. Ibig sabihin ng restrained, merong self-control. Look at this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach, look at this, will be judged 
more strictly. Kung kayo po ay kinakabahan at kinikilabutan sa mga naririnig nyo, kamusta naman ako? <laughs> Anyways, and I'm fully aware of this. Look at this. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. And that's a comforting thing, right? As Christians, as children of God, God does not really expect so much perfection from us. I love the fact that whenever we come to church, whenever we serve, whenever we gather, God deals with us as according to His love for us as His children, not according to our performance. Your children, right? Kahit nagano ka kulit, kahit nagano ka disobedient, kahit nagano ka pasaway, you will still deal with them as your child. You love them unconditionally. Amen? Ganon din tayo itarato ni Lord. And that's basically a reality. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep uh, their whole body in check. Now look at this. In chapter 3, this is, is James' emphasis to the congregation. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Remember yung kabayo, if you did horseback riding, yung nakakabit po sa bibig nila. When, pag hinila mo yon, when you pull the string, they will turn to the left or they will pull, turn to the right. Why? Because it's somehow, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my understanding, that's connected to their tongue. <laughs> it's actually connected to their tongue. Um, and then it says in verse 4, Or take sheeps as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So yung malaking ship, kahit na napakalaki niya, ang direction niya follows yung very small rudder na nag-steer kung saan siyang direction pupunta. Do you, do you, are you following me? Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He emphasizes on the tongue. The tongue is a small part of our body, but it brings us to many troubles many times. Sino dito yung hindi nagsisi sa mga sinabi? Or sino dito yung nagsisi na dahil may sinabi siya? A lot of us. You said something to your wife, said something to your husband, you know, nagsisi ka. Afterwards, you regret. You could not control your tongue. And it has caused hurt, damage, conflict, right? Our tongue <laughs> is a world on its own. They say that one-fifth of our life, we used to talk. <laughs> one-fifth ng buhay natin, nagsasalita tayo. This tongue has to be tamed. 
And maturity in spirituality or Christianity does that. When you are growing to be more like Christ, you realize there are many things that can change in the way we talk and the way we speak and the way we use our tongue. Because we begin now to imitate Jesus. The tongue is used to either tear down or build up. You know, it takes wisdom to do that. Self-control. He who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Alin daw yung wisdom na yun. It says it's unspiritual, it's earthly, it's demonic. What's that? Envy. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. It's such a heavy letter, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine you're the church that James writes to. And in fact, in parts of this letter, James calls the church, you, adulterous people. Oh my gosh, that is so shocking. <laughs> Why would a pastor say that to a congregation? And perhaps that's the setting that he that church that the church finds in that period of time. Look at this. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then what? Peace loving. Then what? Considerate. Then what? Submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Why is peace here related to the tongue? Because it is. By the tongue, many of the Jews were massacred by the Nazis. It was Hitler who used his tongue with very persuasive words to the Germans. It was the tongue that basically uh, promoted peace from civil war in Africa via Nelson Mandela. It was the tongue that gave the civil rights of the black Americans by Martin Luther. It was the tongue it either destroys or builds. It either breaks or heals. In the tongue is the power of what? Life or death. Now you choose. You choose how you will use your tongue. This is good, yeah? This is good. This is good. This is not my words. This is the word of God. I don't have to justify it or explain it. This is the Bible. We just like James, that's basically James. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. That's the word of God. Without any excuses, he just boldly says to the church in the first century, this is it. Now look at this. There's an author I, I read before, and I was very encouraged by that. Um, it's, the author basically says, no statue has ever been built to any critic. You know what I mean? 
statues were built to people who have tried and failed many times and tried again and tried again until they have succeeded. No statue has ever been built to any critic because it's easier to be a critic rather than a builder. If you're going to choose, be a pioneer, be a builder, do something. Less talk, more work. For people who try to do something, they always are faced with criticisms. But it is those who do something and work at something that eventually succeeds and helps others, not those criticisms. So you choose whether you're going to be a critic or you're going to help build what is important to be built. Amen? A lot of pastors... A lot of pastors, you know, Brian Houston and uh, what, uh, Stephen Furtick and all, all these um, amazing people who have built amazing churches, even our own Bishop Vincent of Year. And this is not a secret, you know, this is like even here in Australia, once a year, it's always Channel 9 has a documentary of, you know, pulling down the successful pastors here in Australia and trying to talk negatively or slander against them, right? Um, and, in, if, and not just outside of the church. What's more painful is inside the church, you know. Um, some people would criti criticize on many things but will not be willing to help. Are you following me? Many people will criticize. Oh, polit politics, right? The politicians. A lot of people, you know, social media, criticize, criticize, criticize the politicians, the government leaders. Question, what have you done to help? What have you done to help? You can use your tongue to criticize or you can use your tongue to encourage, to help, to build. Amen. This is a father talking to, her, to, to, to his children as you would talk to your children. If you hear your children say bad words, how would you talk to them? You would address them, right? Because you're the parent. You would say, you should not say that. That's a bad word. You should not use your tongue for that. It's not right. Why we as adults have stopped receiving correction? Since when? Since we thought we already know everything since pride has entered our hearts. A humble person will always receive rebuke. A humble person will always receive rebuke. It will hurt. You might get offended. But if you're mature, again, you will receive it and you will learn from it and change. Amen. Come on. Yeah, give the Lord claps of praise. All right, chapter 4, I'm running out of time. Amateur Christians are reserved. And by this, I mean that they are reserved for Christ. You know, when you go to a restaurant and it says on the table, this table is reserved. You can't sit on it. It's reserved for Christ. That just means I am a Christian. I'm a child of God. I am reserved for Christ. Christ uses me. My life is His. My life is His alone. The world can't use me. Uh, chapter 4, look at this. 
If God is not your everything, you will want everything else the world offers. But then you will realize that everything else the world offers is nothing because God is everything. <laughs> it's a bit of a mind twister. Did you understand? Did you get it? Yeah? If God is not your everything, you will want everything else the world offers. But then you will realize that everything else the world offers is nothing because God is everything. <laughs> Um, why am I saying that? The, 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 those Christians, uh, Christians who are mature are reserved. Um, and all of chapter 4 basically talks about that attitude of humility once again. No? Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. <laughs> Look at this. This is James talking to the church and saying to the church, believers na to, ah, church. He's saying to the church, wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> Did you ever hear me say that? Baka pag sinabi ko yun sa inyo, next week wala nang tao dito. <laughs> na-offend kasi ako. Ay, na-offend ako kay pastor. <laughs> Pero James was so adamant, straightforward. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What if I say that here? May pupunta pa kaya next week? May manonood pa kaya online? Ayoko dyan sa church na yan. Ako. Gusto ko yung mga ano lang, mga happy-happy. <laughs> the Bible is always balanced. It encourages us, but it also corrects us. Because if it doesn't correct us, we will go on a train wreck. We will destroy both ourselves and the people around us. Grieve, mourn, and wail. <laughs> this is so downcast. Change your laughter to mourning. Huh? Pastor Jeff, kakala ko ba? And your joy to gloom. Now, this is in context, obviously. If you find, now look, look at this. The concept and idea of repentance is that God brought into your attention, in your mind, something that's not congruent to His will. And then in realizing that you have made that, some, you wronged, you, you, you're wrong. You did not just wrong yourself or your neighbor or your husband or whatever. You wronged God. And the concept of idea, the idea of repentance is this. God, in humility, I come to you, forgive me. I acknowledge that this is wrong. And I ask that you change me. That's the concept of repentance. And repentance is only possible if we are humble. Look at that. Humble yourselves before the Lord and after repentance, you know what God does? Look at that verse. He will lift you up. He will not condemn you. He will not say, oh, you're guilty. He will not say, oh, magdusa ka dyan, mali ka, makasalanan ka. No. When you repent and admit of your fault, what God does is He lifts you. Ganun naman eh. Yung mga anak nyo rin, di ba? Pag nag-apologize, What's better to do? Yeah, we were talking about this, Charm and I, about Adam and Eve in the beginning uh, when they ate of the fruit. God asked them, right? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit that I have forbidden? Ang sabi ni, Ab uh, ni, ni Eva, eh kasi siya eh. Ang sabi ni Adam, eh kasi siya eh. Eh kasi siya eh. It could have been very different if Adam, if Adam and Eve just knelt down before God and said, God, Father, forgive me. We disobeyed you. Forgive me, Lord. 
I did not do what you said. It could have been different. With your children, right? When they did something wrong, and it's very obvious that they did something wrong. And you know and you know that they did something wrong. And then you ask them, did you do this? And then they say, It could have, what would your response be if your child says, Mama, sorry, hindi ko na po gagawin ulit. What would your response be? Papaluin mo pa ba? Are you still gonna spank? The boy or the, the, the daughter is repentant, humble. You will actually comfort the child after that. Oh, that's okay. Okay, you promise you won't do it again, all right? I believe you all. That's okay. We'll move on from there. Amen. Christianity is about relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with ourselves, relationship with others. And that's why this is being taught because God is love and His children are supposed to be children of love. And that should we exhibit amongst ourselves. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and only one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Our job is to love. All right? And last but not the least, in full circle, James starts with robustness, he goes back to resilience and talks about, in the beginning of this, he was actually rebuking those who are rich. He got called on the worship team. He's actually calling on those who are rich, na parang they, they own businesses, and these rich people are not paying their employees right. They are doing injustice, corruption, and all that. And the farmers are suffering you know, and this is reality even until now. You know, uh, many uh, people who own lands of farm, farmlands are not, and then the farmers are very, very poor, while the owners are very, very rich. Now, he's just basically talking about that. And then turns around and talks to the farmers. <laughs> Perhaps the congregation are made up of farmers who are not really getting much from their work uh, because of their inju the injustice and the corruption of their employees, employers. And then James talks about this and tells them, be patient then. Can you say to the person next to you, be patient. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Everyone say, stand firm. Be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming soon. The Lord's coming is near. So what? You're not getting your justice here? Be patient. The Lord is coming soon. So what? You're a victim of corruption or whatsoever. You're not being paid well by your, uh, you know, boss that's uh, abusive or whatever. Be patient. The Lord is compassionate, it says there in other verses in James. And gracious, He will 
act on your behalf. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. This is how practical it can get. If you are in trouble, pray. Don't winch, don't whine, don't, don't clothe in self-pity or whatever. If you're in trouble, pray. That's the only right response to it. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Who here is happy? Who here is happy? Take joy with all kinds of trials and problems. Do you have trials and problems? Who here has trials and problems? Raise your hand. Then take joy. <laughs> Christian life is such a weird life, isn't it? <laughs> Be the person in your office where everybody hears singing all the time. And then they notice, why are you always happy? And then they know that you have a problem, your family is still in the Philippines, you cannot get them here, or you lost this and you lost that, and yet you're still rejoicing. How weird are you? Be that person. Be that Christian. Because why? You're looking beyond. The present circumstances, you're looking beyond. You know what's in your mind? God's got me. My Father has never abandoned me. My Father will always turn this around. My Father has always taken care of me. I have never been forsaken or forgotten by my Heavenly Father. Jesus always loves me. This situation will pass. This too shall pass. God is with me. God is for me, not against me. Amen. Remind yourselves about that. Remind yourselves about that. Amen. Therefore, in the last verse, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It puzzles me that James ends with this verse. Some Bible scholars believe that maybe the papyrus where it was originally written was cut or it's lost or the last portion was lost because a letter normally ends with final greetings as Paul would write and, and Peter would write and John would write. But James doesn't have any final greetings but ends in this way. It says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander away from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Remember, look at this, look at this. If someone wanders away and, that, and another person brings that person back, it's not just the job of the pastor to bring someone back, those who are wandering away. It's your job too. If you see someone, you don't see them in church anymore. They're not continuing in the Lord anymore. It's your job too. Hey sister, hey brother, I don't see you in church. Thank you for joining us in today's episode and we hope that we will have you again in the next one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile over you and give you peace 
Shalom. God bless you.